Hello and welcome to the first proper Formula Scout podcast. Formula Scout is a home to regular news and features from the world of junior single-seater racing. And today we will be focusing on the road to Indy. Um, joining me, Craig Willard, is Elliot Wood. How are you this evening, Elliot? I'm very good. I'm, uh, I'm on American hours, ready for this weekend's season opener. Ah, fantastic. Right. So... For those who are not so familiar with the road to Indy, the path to the top series, IndyCar, is a lot more linear than you might expect on the European scene. Where in the European scene, it's much more pyramid-shaped um, with all your regional Formula 4s and then your Formula 3s and so forth, up into Formula 2 and then Formula 1. With the road to Indy, it is very straightforward. You have the USF 2000 Championship towards the bottom, and then the Indy Pro 2000 Championship, the next step, and then Indy Lights, the step below that, a uh, step above that, and then the Indy Lights champion gets 1.1 million dollars to put forward to their 20 or their following um, year of IndyCar racing, of which they will do at least three races, including the Indianapolis 500. Now, for 2020, the first year in a while the reigning series champion will be doing a full season of IndyCar. And that champion was Oliver Askew, who beat his longtime rival, Renus VK, uh, to win the championship and will race with um, Arrow McLaren SP um, on in the 2020 IndyCar season. Yeah, so uh, Askew, Askew and VK... The reason kind of they've had such a long rivalry is because of the linear structure of the Road to Indy. So as soon as they do one series, the only way is literally up to go to the next one. Uh, so they started with USF 2000. Uh, I believe Askew won that. Then VK won Indy Pro title. And then Askew was the champion in Indy Lights last year. Uh, and they both got, not only have they got IndyCar seats, they've both got, you know, good IndyCar seats this year as well. Yeah, both will be racing full-time uh, this year. VK will be racing with um, Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, and there will be a third full-time rookie in Alex Ballou, who has made the somewhat unconventional jump over from Super Formula. Um, but yeah, as as you said, Elliot, the um, the Road to Indy almost encourages these, these lengthy rivalries. And we've got a few um, forming or continuing uh, in the Road to Indy coming into 2020. So I think it's a good time to start talking about Indy Lights because we've got one of these rivalries potentially being the, the main storyline. Yeah, we've got Carl uh, Kirkwood, who's joining Andretti Autosport, essentially taking over the seat that Oliver Rascu had. Uh, and Rasmus Lind, who's joined Bellardi Auto Racing, uh, which is another kind of mainstay in Indy Lights. Uh, and they were fighting for Indy Pro 2000 title last year, which was quite close in the end, on points. Yeah, it was very close. Um, a couple of uh, DNFs kind of curtailed um, Kirkwood's campaign early on, whilst uh, Lind really, really put in some solid performances um, early in the campaign. But then Kirkwood just went on this absolutely emphatic run where he just couldn't stop winning, pretty much. Um in the end, in the end, it was only a couple of points between them. So, yeah, very, very close in the end. Um, both drivers, I've spoken to both of them, 
uh, coming into the season, they both seem really, really confident. Kirkwood, as you said, is with Andressi, and Lind is with Bellardi, who have not necessarily been right at the front, right at the front for a couple of years now, and they'll be looking to to really make some gains this year. Yeah, and I think that's mostly down to Bellardi's pick of drivers of late, because uh, they did have Zachary Clemens and Mello, who had IndyCar experience at the very start of last year, uh, but he didn't complete the season and he was very quick early on. Uh, then they also had Santiago Rusia, who we'll, we'll talk about later. Uh, but funny how you say how confident Kirkwood and Linda, because both of them have had kind of interrupted pre-seasons. So Kirkwood missed the Chris Griffiths test, which is kind of the, the big uh, road to Indy test at the end of each season. And that's normally where you talk to the teams ready for next year. Whereas Lind only signed his deal with Bellardi last week, I think, or early this week. So, you know, they haven't had the best preparations for the season, but both of them are looking pretty happy with it. Yeah, Lind, uh, Lind tested with um, no less than three teams um, <laughs> during the off-season. So he, he, he definitely had plenty of options to, to, to weigh up. Um, and he's got a, he's got the uh, the Husky chocolate brand as a sponsor this year as well. So chocolate milk is slowly and gradually taking over motorsport, which I find is not a problem at all. Uh, you mentioned Santi Aruccia. Um He's really the big unknown coming into the year because he's got a he, he's by far and away the most like, experienced driver when it comes to championship runs in Indy Lights, but he's really coming in as an unknown because he's with HMD, who are pretty much still a new team. And he's coming in from a year doing um, touring car over in Europe. So what do we make of um, his chances this year? Oh, it's a difficult question because I, I spoke to him in the touring car paddock quite a bit last year. And as much as he was very insistent, like he does want to return to Indy Lights, he wanted to complete his IndyCar dream. He was also very committed to his touring car stuff. And for him to, you know, throw that away almost to come back to Indy Lights means he must be pretty confident in the package he's got at HMD. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. Mm. Certainly. And, um, well, we haven't we haven't even spoken too much about Kirkwood um, because he he's, he's on the brink of doing something which has never been achieved on the road to Indy, and that is winning back to back to back championships and doing so as a rookie. Now, no one has ever done that in the ten ten or so year history of um, of the road to Indy, even without being a rookie. So, for for a rookie to come along and potentially do that. With, with a CV as good as Kirkwood's has been up to this point, because he's won an incredible number of races over the past two or three years, what would it mean to, to have a driver absolutely dominate the road to Indy? What, what would that mean for, for, his, um, for his, um, his career going forward? It's going to put a lot of pressure on I think it would do a good... They do a good job for him, but like you know, you've spoken to him, I've spoken to him before. He's already such a confident and calm guy that I don't think he feels the need to dominate per se. 
Uh, and like you said, he's interested in things beyond IndyCar, like Formula One and Formula E. Uh, so if he does dominate, I think that's really just going to help him, you know, pick up sponsors going forward. And I don't think it would kind of change his attitude then going into 2021, whether he, you know, goes in as a dominant Indy Lights champion or the slightly not dominant Indy Lights champion. Hmm. But uh, no, I can't remember exactly how many races he's won over the past couple of years, but it's something, it's an incredible strike rate. It's something like 36 in 65 or something crazy like that. And he's um, got um, more titles four or five years of single-seater racing than anyone else has this century as well. I think Lando Norris is the closest to him. Yeah, there was, there was a year that... Um, that Lando won, it was like three championships, um, wasn't it? FI Formula 3 European and a couple of others. Um, but yeah, doing achieving such such a thing would be at, it's simply unheard of. So it, it will do him absolute wonders for, for his career going forward. He's also a good friend of Oliver Askew's, funnily enough, because they're both from Jupiter, Florida. So... And they, they, they race... literally live down the road from each other, like within walking yeah. distance. Yeah, then I'm pretty sure both um, raced in the Formula Ford Festival over here in the UK um, yeah. with the Team yeah. USA scholarship yeah. at one point. Yes. Now, there's a couple of changes in terms of the lineup team wise coming into this year because the, um, the very experienced Yunkos outfit is not on the grid. Whilst we have a new team in exclusive autosport who make the step up from Indie Pro, how do we rate their? How do we, how do we rate the chances of exclusive autosport? What does losing Yunkos off the grid, at least provisionally, mean going forward? I think the loss of Yunkos is going to be very badly felt by Indie Lights. Uh, although they do look like they're going to get a ten car grid this year, we've only got few days before the first race of the season. Uh, Yunkos mm. has usually supplied kind of a, the biggest threat to Andretti uh, of recent years. And without that, I don't think, you know, HMD and Bellardi can really consistently challenge them as, as much. With exclusive, they've got Nikita Lestochkin uh, as their driver, and he's a bit of a, an unknown prospect. You know, he hasn't looked super quick in testing and he, he didn't get mega results in the lower formulae. But with any new team in this series, you know, they could actually come in, find something with a car that no one else has and do very well. Absolutely. Um, the the Stovskin is one of the, uh, how do I put this kindly, slightly older drivers on, on the grid, uh, uh, 30, I think he is. So... He's he's been around the blocks quite a while, so he might he might he obviously knows the tracks and and so forth, apart from uh, the the speedway. But I mean, it's going to be tough, I think, for for Andretti to be beaten. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the field because Kirkwood is not the only driver racing with Andretti this year, because Robert McGuinness comes back for for another crack at the season, and as does. Um, and Daniel Frost also makes the jump up from, from Indy Pro. Are they are they going to possibly challenge Kirkwood, or we see them just not quite having the 
the strength to to overcome such a such a threat? Um, difficult one though. I think McGuinness, you know, he has a year of Indy Lights experience under his belt already, and he did win a race with Andretti last year against you know a very competitive uh, Oliver Askew and Renus Vico. So we do know he can you know work at the front in this championship. As with Daniel Frost, he he won the Freedom Seventy Five. I believe it's called, which is the Lucas Oil Raceway equivalent of the Freedom 100 for Indy Pro Drivers. Uh, And he hasn't looked super spectacular in the lower formula, but he's also always looked ever more confident the more things he's done. So he could be, I think it'd be more of a case of, you know, the drivers taking points off each other rather than consistently outscoring Kirkwood, uh, which Mm. will kind of leave Kirkwood to be the leader in that team. Um, but also we've had Tristan Charpentier uh, test with Andretti of late and by the time this podcast goes out he might have signed for the team we don't know um, but he, he has experience in super formula so he should be well placed if he does actually sign with the team to challenge Kirkwood hmm. uh, moving, moving on um, Rasmus Lind has got a pretty strong teammate in Toby Sowery who raced with um, HMD last year, including when it was um, BN racing in conjunction with Team Pelfrey. Uh, in, in the second half of the season, Sowery was one of the, the biggest threats to, to both Askew and VK and took a win at Portland and elevated himself into third in the championship. So is this a potential... Is, is Toby Sowery like the, the, the underdog as such? I would definitely call him the underdog. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how he does. Um, I spoke to him before he'd signed the deal with Bellardi and he he said he was looking at multiple teams Uh, because I think in previous years he did do a little bit of road to indie racing and it wasn't particularly with eyes on a full-time move. But last year, you know, he very much got the bug for racing in America. So I think he really wants to, you know, win the title this year and move on to IndyCar. Mm-hmm. And speaking of HMD, they've got uh, two full-time drivers announced and one at least half the season announced. They've got Aruccio, David Malukas, and part-time at least Antonio Cerevali. Um, Lucas is very experienced at this level, isn't he? Um, he's been around for a while. Yeah, it's, uh, but the, the team itself has picked up a lot of experienced engineering staff as well. So it's it's going to be a good kind of development battle, you could call it, with that team. Mm. Um, but regarding their driver lineup, I don't see it challenging Andretti. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. I think this championship is Kirkwood's to lose. Um, and I think it'll be a very, very impressive feat if a driver is able to overcome them based on what Kirkwood has achieved in the past couple of years. So that will, that will, that will be very good for, for say, like a Rasmus Lind or, or a Toby Sowery to, to steal the limelight and really put themselves in a strong position to, to get themselves an IndyCar seat for 2021. Yeah, and, and how often do we look at a series like Indy Lights or Formula 2 or Super Formula Lights where it's the rookie who's immediately the title favourite? I, I don't think that's very common. In the no, 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 it's not. Um, 
Yeah, it, it almost seems like um, year on year, um, ever since Carl, uh, Carl Kaiser won his uh, title in 2017, every year it's almost like a rookie is coming in as the championship favourite. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to resist saying that it's down to the, the small car count. Um, I think I think it just shows how good Indie Lights as a series actually is in preparing the drivers for IndyCar more than anything. Yeah, and and talking of um, Indie Lights to IndyCar, when you look at the the cars themselves, a lot of the drivers say the step from Indie Pro to Indie Lights is larger than the step from Indie Lights to IndyCar. So if you yeah. do do well at Indie Lights, you're almost more likely to do well at IndyCar as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's why we've seen over the past few seasons why um, you know rookies coming in and just being on the pace immediately that the cars are so uh, are so swung towards the drivers these days um, rather than the the subtle nuances of the the previous um, manufacturer aero kit era that it, it, it encourages drivers with natural ability to just come in. And be able to be on the pace literally right away. Yeah. Sorry for the, the background noise there. Yes, okay, yes, yes. We're in a public space. Give it 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, the perks of recording a podcast from uh, uh, a university. Uh, talking of rookies as well, in Indie Pro, we've got Hunter McElroy and Braden Neves, I believe who were the USF 2000 title contenders last year. Uh, and they've now both stepped up together. And do you think they'll continue their rivalry up front or slightly further back? In the field? Um, I think there's no reason why it shouldn't continue. Um, McElroy is with um, Pabst Racing, who ran with Rasmus Lind last year. So obviously they're a very competitive outfit. And Braden Neves is with Exclusive Autosport, who have just bolstered up their their road to indie program so they've got more they've got more oomph in in the in the paddock so i think they're both with really strong teams so i see no reason why they shouldn't be championship contenders um there's a few other strong strong drivers around um in this uh so shall see uh there are a few that immediately jump out like your Stingray Robs. Uh, I think he's in his second season at this level. Uh, Stingray Rob, he's, he's got a little more experience than that, but because of his uh, kind of lack of trophies, we could say, it, he always mm. does seem like he's been at this level a little shorter than he actually has. Um, but yeah, he's he's probably one of the most likely to rival Braden Neves and Hunter McElroy. Yeah. I'm also intrigued to see how Lucas Pettersson gets on, um, jumping over from British Formula 3, because uh, he's with um, the RP Motorsport outfit, who won the title last year with Kirkwood. So they're, they're a team that's definitely on the up, and how and Pettersson's lack of knowledge of these circuits will be, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he adapts to them. Yeah, but if, if I remember correctly, Toby Sari, when he made his... Um... Road to Indy Racing debut. I think he did so in Indy Pro 2000 as well, uh, and he mm. came straight from British F3, and I think he won, or at least he 
you know, he was the fastest guy on track that weekend. Uh, so Pettersson kind of has the potential to do the same. I don't think his previous career results maybe reflect that, but you know, he's definitely in the right place if he wants to be successful in that championship. Absolutely. Um, and as a as a slightly familiar face for followers of the uh, Road to Indy as well as W Series in Sabre Cook, and she'll be making a number of uh, appearances with Team Bennick throughout the season. Uh, how do we rate her chances going back onto the onto the Road to Indy? Sad to say for W Series fans, but I don't rate them very highly at all because Team Team Bennick hasn't really been a, a full time operation on the Road to Indy, and it. Its participation has kind of been tied to Sabre Cook's previous appearances, so uh, I wouldn't expect that team to be, you know, the fastest on the grid, and I don't expect Sabre Cook to be fastest either. If I'm absolutely honest. Hmm. Um, are there any drivers that you can think of that um, might might spring a surprise this year, like a Parker Thompson or a Corey Enders? Someone with D-Force. Uh, well, they're both with D-Force. I, I hate uh, to say it for Parker Thompson because, you know, I've, I've watched him race for several years and I, I've been really impressed with what he's done. But a bit like Santiago Arutia, he has been in this championship a little too long now to um, to kind of improve, if that makes sense. So we've seen him, you know, winning before and I don't see him getting any better than he was a year ago or two years ago. Um, so if he does win the title... I think it's more a case of the opposition's weaker than he is, you know, the best driver on the grid, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings us on to the next tier, which is the USF 2000. And there's quite a healthy grid in, in USF 2000 with some familiar names for those following motorsports. So... I think that the obvious championship favourite is Christian Rasmussen driving for Jay Howard's team. And he finished third last year behind Eves and McElroy. So I, I think it's pretty pretty hot to to go go and go one better this year, I think. Yeah, and the, the Jay Howard team is obviously run by Jay Howard, who is an Indy Lights champion himself. Uh, but they've actually brought an Indy Lights chassis that they're testing this year as a kind of driver development tool. So it might not just be Rasmussen in that squad who's going to be rapid uh, in that case. But I think my money would be on one of the Cape Motorsports drivers, either Josh Green or Reese Gold, uh, who have both, from the racing I've seen them in, really impressed me. Yes, Josh Green raced in the um, Formula Ford Festival, which we were both at uh, last year, and we were both immensely impressed with how quickly he got up to speed with the the, the somewhat challenging Brands Hatch Indy circuit. Yeah, and I think it was, was it raining on the day of the heats as well? Uh, oh, yes, it was. Yes, yeah. of course it was. And there was a, an unfortunate clash between one of the Team USA drivers and a uh, Formula Ford veteran, we could say. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess they don't have the experience as someone like Rasmussen, but at the same time, yeah. Cape Motorsports is, uh, it ran Kirkwood to title success, I believe it ran Aspie to title success. Um, mm. I think it actually ran several years before that, it was winning championships as well. Yes, Cape Motorsports has definitely got a, 
a strong history in the road to indie. Um, there are a few, like I said, there's a few names that might sound slightly familiar to long-standing fans of motorsport as Eduardo Barrichello, who is the son of Rubens Barrichello, um, one of the, the driver who currently holds the record for the most F1 starts of all time. Uh, he's entering his second season after a somewhat, somewhat challenging first. Year. I'd call it anonymous first year because he, yeah, he yeah, improving all the time, but it was never near like the very top of the timesheet. So it was very hard to notice the, the kind of gains he was making. Mm. And the, there is also Jack Miller who is the son of Jack Miller, not motorcycle driver, the former IndyCar driver. Um, he is driving with his dad's team. Um, and I think he was also one who had a little bit of challenge on the on the road to Indy uh, in his first year. Yep, and the, the team that his dad runs with uh, an NFL legend as well has kind of had to learn the road to Indy as well as he has, which obviously isn't easy. Uh, but looking back at mm. Barrichello, because Barrichello is at Paps, which is obviously where um, Rasmus Lind raced at, um, I think that's almost a team of underachievers. You've got Juven Sandara Morphy, who we've seen in MRF Challenge has been quick, and Matt Rangarido, who's a Formula Ford champion in Northern Ireland. And, uh, you know, neither of them really got great results in USF 2000 last year. But they're obviously, you know, Three of them working together, they could improve their results. Mm, absolutely. Now, looking, looking ahead to the calendar, there's not many changes. Well, there's not set to be many changes. You never know with the current climate. Um, but the obvious highlight for the drivers in Indy Lights, at least, will be the um, will be the Freedom 100, which has produced some of the best racing in any motorsport calendar year for the past however many years now including that very famous four-wide finish back in 2015, I believe it was. Uh, so what, how, what, how, what's the importance of winning a race as lucrative as the, as the Freedom 100 to, to these drivers? It's big because obviously, you know, it's in the month of May and all the IndyCar teams are watching. I mean, Indy Lights is obviously on the IndyCar support package for all of its races, so the teams do talk. But the Freedom 100, you have the fans watching as well and the TV um, yeah. audience. And I think that's the one race where you do get like a, a proper TV audience for uh, Indy Lights. But oddly, compared to other single-seater, junior single-seater series, each Indy Lights race is actually has its own history. Um, so it's obviously you have the St. Petersburg Grand Prix, the etc. Grand Prix, but the Indy Lights race also has their own name for each of their rounds as well. Uh, so it's not just the Freedom 100 that, um, you know, has this importance to it. Mm, absolutely. Um, and they, they race at two street circuits, St. Petersburg and Toronto, at two ovals, Indianapolis and Gateway, and six road courses, Barber, Indianapolis Road Course, Road America, Mid-Ohio, Portland, and Laguna Seca. Um, all of the all of the series will be running on all of the circuits with the exception of the ovals in which USF and Indy Pro race at the Lucas Oil Raceway um, Oval in Indiana, Indiana and they don't race and USF doesn't race on the oval at Gateway 
Yeah, but the teams in Indy Pro are pushing for a, well, teams in IndyCar as well, Indy Lights are pushing for another oval to be on the calendar. And I do think the mm. Indy Pro drivers as well really want to at least do it like an oval, like a full oval test on the speedway uh, before they race there in Indy Lights. Yeah, I, I think that would be that would be beneficial to the drivers because uh, at the end of the day, even though that the number of ovals in IndyCar is limited that down to five, I think it is these days, it's still such an important part of being an IndyCar driver. Yeah, and it's uh, it is what separates the very best from um, those who can't quite crack it in, in IndyCar in how well you tackle the ovals on pace and in your racecraft as well. Uh, but my personal highlight, though, and in, in all IndyCar and Road to Indy, is the Toronto street circuit races. I think that's a brilliant event, brilliant city, brilliant audience as well. The, the fans really get behind it when the, the races come to town. Uh, and also, you get some great cameo performances there as well. I think we had Nelson Piquet Jr. a few years ago doing Indy Lights. Felix Rosenvist yes, we... was dominant there. Um, and even Venus VK and uh, Paul Brasky had some good battles there last year as well. Mm, of course, Nelson PK Jr. raced at um, Toronto in 2015, I think it was, whilst Max Chilton was, I, I say racing, he was driving the Nissan LMP1 at Le Mans, um, whilst Chilton was racing in Indy Lights that year. But yeah, let's not mention too much about the Nissan LMP1 project. So... I think we have come to the, the conclusion of this first podcast. Yeah, and uh, obviously the road to Indy starts this weekend. So in a few days' time, hopefully we'll be on our computers, <laughs> typing away as we watch the cars go past and, you know, a great weekend of racing in St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Before we go, we should get some predictions in. Right, who's going to win each championship this year? Ooh. Indy Lights, Carl Kirkwood. I know he's a rookie, but I think he's got it. Indy Pro, I'm going to have to say Braden Eves. I think he is definitely kind of, he's got the momentum going forward. The USF 2000, I'm going to, maybe not quite a wide shot, I'm going to go for Legacy Autosports Cameron Shields. He is a massive talent. I've seen him race in Australia and he's, he's done great stuff in Formula 3 and Formula 4. And I think with a, like a proper opportunity in America, he, he will smash it out of the park. Right. My predictions that will inevitably be proven to be terribly wrong. Um, I'm going to go with Toby Sowery to, to win the uh, Indy Lights Championship this year. I'm going to go with um, Under McElroy to get one back on Braden Eves in Indy Pro 2000. And I am going to go with Oliver Rasmussen to win in USF 2000, just to be different. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. So, yeah, that's it for the first full episode of the Formal Scout podcast. We will be back next week after St. Petersburg uh, and previewing the Formula 2 and Formula 3 seasons, FIA Formula 3 championship seasons, that are about to begin. Uh, So we see you then. Goodbye.